Well, good morning. Today is September the 10th. My name is Dwayne. Uh, this is Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry that is called to rightly divide the Word of God for the people of God. Uh, today we're going to be recording uh, session 22 in our study through the book of Galatians. Uh, last time we were together, uh, we covered uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 18. Um, so just bear in mind, all these studies are up on um, SoundCloud. Uh, I've also linked them all back off of my uh, webpage, dwaynespearman.org. And of course, they they also get dumped over into Spotify. So you can check them out there as well. And then, of course, they're also on the YouTube channel. I'd encourage you, if you haven't subscribed to that, I'd appreciate that if you'd subscribe to the YouTube channel so that we can get some uh, a little more subscribers there so that we can start using that as more as a more effective tool. So uh, today we're going to go ahead and let's see, just for a little bit of context, we're going to uh, let me just check my volume. Yeah, everything's working. So uh, verse number 13 <clears throat> Uh, Galatians chapter number four, just for a little context so that I can back up and get my mind wrapped around it again. He says, ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptation, which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. And then he says in verse 16, Am I therefore your enemy, because I tell you the truth? They, referring to the Judaizers, zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you, that ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected, always in a good thing, and not only when I am present with you. So, Paul here is is warning them not to be offended because he's speaking truth to them. Um, The Judaizers had a lot of zeal in their appeals, um, but they were leading them in the wrong direction. And he tells them, he says, the Judaizers are trying to alienate you from me so that they can win you over to their side. And then in verse number 19, we hit some new territory here. My dear children, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Um, I am perplexed about you, or I stand in doubt of you, is what he says. He says... uh, I desire to be present with you now and change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. I must have copied over the, that looks like probably, I'm not sure what I copied over there. But but anyway, um, he's calling them as children because he is the one that led them uh, to the faith. And he feels like he's having to win them over again or to persuade them again to the beauty of grace. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. 
For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. In other words, he feels like their spiritual father because he is the one that shared the grace gospel to them. He is the one that led them to the Lord, that showed them the right way. And he says, I want to change my tone. I want to change the way I'm having to speak with you right now. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm afraid that if, if, if I change my tone, you're going to continue heading down uh, this dangerous path away from the grace gospel. That's what Paul is afraid of. Uh, and again, the Judaizers were bringing in um, this mixture, saying, that's fine, you can follow Christ, but you got to keep the Mosaic law. You got to be obedient to the law. In other words, they were mixing law and grace. Uh, and I believe they were mixing the kingdom gospel with the grace gospel. Um, kingdom believers were believers. Grace gospel people were believers. But the kingdom gospel included the law. The grace gospel did not. These Judaizers here were trying to get the grace gospel believers to come back under the law or to put themselves voluntarily under the law. And bear in mind, these Galatians that Paul is writing to are both Jew and Gentile. Understand that the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head, is made up of Jew and Gentile, uh, grace believers. There are no kingdom believers in the body of Christ. Uh, the body of Christ is made up of grace believers and grace believers only. Now, notice in verse number 21, he gets into an area that a lot of people, you start reading it, and they kind of fall off the bus at this point. <laughs> he says in verse number 21, he says, tell me, you that desire to be under the law. Of course, you know, he's talking to the Galatians, Jew and Gentile. Um, do you not hear the law? I mean, don't you know the law? Don't you know what the law says? For it is written, now he's going to quote from, um, from the Old Testament, that Abraham had two sons, uh, the one by a bondmaid, and of course we know that was Hagar, and the other by a free woman, and we know that was Sarah. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. The one that was born of the bondwoman was Ishmael. But he of the free woman, who was Isaac, was by promise. So here, Paul is using Hagar and Sarah to allegorically make a point. He says that one was a son of the flesh, while the other was a son of promise. The one of the flesh was Ishmael, uh, the one that came from the bondwoman, and it was after the flesh. And you'll remember that God had promised Abraham that he would have a son. Um, he was convinced that Sarah was not going to conceive, so he went into Hagar, and he behaved in the flesh. He moved in doubt. And, of course, Ishmael was born. The second uh, son was of the Spirit, which was Isaac, who was born to Sarah. Sarah, Isaac was the one that he promised. Isaac was the one that when the angel of the Lord came and said this time next year, this was the same Isaac that was born of the promise that God had given to Abraham and Sarah. 
So simply put, Hagar represented bondage in that she was a servant. She was a handmaiden to Sarah. She was a servant, while Sarah represented freedom because she was a free woman. Now, notice verse number 24. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from, the, from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar, Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of all. So let's unpack that just a little bit. He is comparing Hagar and Sarah to two covenants. The first was given on Mount Sinai, which is where the law was delivered in Exodus 19 and 20. And of course, Hagar was a bondwoman that he had picked up, Abraham had picked up while he was out of the will of God and he was running around down in Egypt. In the allegory, she represents the law. She represents bondage because she was a slave to Sarah. The second of the covenants he speaks of is regarding Sarah, who, is, who was a free woman, who was in the will of God, waiting for the promise of God to have a child that he told her that she would have in her old age. Now, you remember when the angel of the Lord said it, she laughed. And of course, Isaac means laughter. In the allegory, she represents freedom and faith, the same faith that Abraham had when the promises were given to him when the Abrahamic covenant was given. So the conclusion is that the children of Hagar are in bondage and the children of Sarah are free. And it's almost like Paul is asking them, which one of these would you like to be your mother? Do you still want to be a child under bondage or do you want to be a child under freedom? Do you still want to be a, uh, someone a slave to the law or do you want to be free in grace? That's the question that he's asking. Now, on a final note regarding verse 26, um, notice it says there in this last part, um, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. What does that mean? Um, Henry Morris says, Paul is not talking about the Jerusalem in Palestine that was the chief city of the Jewish nation at the time. Uh, for that city was not free. It was under the rule of the Romans. It was under the boot, the heel of the Romans. But, the, but he is speaking of the spiritual heavenly Jerusalem uh, that is not in bondage and that is free. So, and again, again, Paul is simply pointing to freedom as compared to bondage. Um, now, verse 27, for it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she with which hath an husband. So Paul is going on to say that it was with the descendants of the one who was initially barren that the nation of Israel would be born. 
And of course, the one that was barren was Sarah. And it was through Sarah and her descendants that the nation was born that God had had made a covenant with. Uh, he is quoting from Isaiah 54, verse number one, when Isaiah said, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. And of course, Sarah was thought to be childless at that time. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. In other words, your children are going to be uh, in abundance. Uh, the second part of the verse is is more of a mind bender for me that I, I I really for it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. That makes sense. That's that's Sarah. Uh, she was barren. She was uh, God supernaturally gave her a child in her in her old age, and you know, break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she that hath a husband. So, so Sarah had many more children uh, than Hagar. Um, but where it says, then she which hath an husband. So that has to be referring to, I would think, Hagar. Um, but what does it mean? I, I'm still not sure. The desolate to me is certainly speaking of Sarah but hath many more children than she that hath a husband. Could the one that hath an husband be a reference to Israel under the law uh, before God gave her a certificate of divorce? Uh, one commentator, commentator said that he is saying that there will soon be more Christians than Jews. Um, well, I can certainly, I, I, um, he says, the Jews are under the law represented by Hagar and the Christians are under grace represented by Sarah. And this commentator goes on and he compares Hagar and Sarah's children to prove his point. Ishmael's, Ishmael represents legalism. The Isaacs, as he called them, uh, represent freedom. Uh, the Ishmaels represent slavery and bondage under the law. The Isaacs represent freedom. Uh, the Ishmaels are born according to the flesh. The Isaacs are born by God's promised miracle. Uh, the Ishmaels um, have an earthly Jerusalem, and the Isaacs have a heavenly Jerusalem, which, you know, there's where I'm, I'm starting to disagree with him. I can see that he's already um, a... Uh, what I call it, a soft uh, uh, replacement theology there. Um, I don't think the New Jerusalem has anything to do uh, with the body of Christ. Uh, the Ishmaels have many children. The Isaacs have many more children. And, of course, he's playing off of that, that phrase there, hath many more children. In other words, he's saying that the, the Christians will outnumber the, the Jews. Um, the Ishmaels are persecuting and you'll remember Ishmael persecuted Isaac. He was the persecuted. Um, the Ishmaels, he said, are, are inheriting nothing, uh, which I disagree. You know, I, you know, I think in, in the context of the allegory that he's saying, he's talking about Jews. Uh, he's not so much. He's not talking about Arabs. He's not talking about the descendants of Ishmael. He's calling 
those who follow Ishmael are under the law. So he's making an allegory here. Uh, so in the, in the, to stay true to the allegory, at least rightly dividing, the Ishmaels are going to inherit the earth, and the Isaacs are going to inherit heavenly things. Uh, he says everything. Um, the Ishmaels are based on law-keeping, and the Isaacs are based on trust in God, i.e. faith. So that's how he kind of draws them apart, and he doesn't draw a distinction between Israel's earthly promises and the, the body of Christ's heavenly promises. He doesn't draw a distinction there because he's not a right divider. But again, just not sure what Paul meant by this phrase at this time. If you have an idea, you can certainly <laughs> let me know. And then in verse 28, he says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, so he's talking to the, the ones who were not placing themselves back under the law, back under the Ishmaels, if you will, or the Hagar here, are the children of promise. And remember, we walk in even the body of Christ, we receive the promise of the blessing that was given to Abraham. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. In other words, the ones who insist on the law, i.e. Judaizers here, were persecuting just like Ishmael did Isaac the ones who were free from the law. So those who wanted to be under the law were persecuting those who uh, did not, uh, was not submitting to the law. Even so today, legalists persecute the free in an attempt to bring us back into bondage, i.e., verse number 10, he talks about observing days and months and times and years. And then he says in verse 31, and I think this is where he uh, really wraps up his argument, nevertheless, what saith the scripture? So he's moving away from the allegory with Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. He's made his point. Cast out the bondwoman and her son and get rid of them. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. So Paul's solution to the Galatians as he wraps up chapter number four is throw out the legalists that are seeking to enslave you, that are seeking to place you back under the law and pull you away from the grace gospel. So next time together, we'll get into chapter number five. Um, I do hope that you've enjoyed the study and uh, be praying for our nation as we come up on September the 11th tomorrow. Um, a lot of people around me are hurting with everything that's going on. Um, just pray for our, pray for healing in our nation. Pray for revival in our nation. I I I just I I don't know if that revival is going to come. I get frustrated just like you do. Um, but the only answer to man's emptiness, the only answer to government's problems, is Christ. Um, so just pray for our nation, especially at this time of grieving and so much controversy going on and. And I know you get frustrated just like I do, but keep your mind on the things above and don't become entangled uh, in the things of this earth uh, because this earth is going to hell in a handbasket. We know that. We know that we're living in a time of deception. We know where this is headed. We know that we're headed toward one world government monetary system. And, you know, but before all that culminates and the man of sin is revealed, guess what? 
the body of Christ is going to be removed in that glorious event called the rapture. And I believe that our our mission in life is to make sure as many of our friends and family and acquaintances are going to go up in that thing with us. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and he's working all things out for your good.